Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 6 at verse 18. Hello, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 18 of chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes this. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know about my circumstances how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. So we come to this uh, final uh, section of the book of Ephesians, which Paul has written. And um, we find, of course, that uh, there's the normal sort of closing uh, as we would have in most of Paul's letters. Uh, And yet uh, he is finishing up in many regards, uh, the the passage beforehand in which uh, we uh, used uh, the last episode in order to uh, give the exposition of that paragraph, verses 10 through 17. But in many regards, uh, verse 18 uh, still continues on uh, in that same vein, you might say, or in that same theme. And that theme is our attitude toward the enemy. And that includes the power by which we face the enemy, as well as the position that we take in order to stand against the enemy and the equipment that uh, is ours in order uh, to be strong against the enemy and defend ourselves as well as uh, use the sword of the spirit, which is uh, the uh, last thing that he mentioned. And, and it, uh, it is the, uh, the, um, uh, the only offensive weapon uh, in the whole uh, uh, panoply of uh, equipment here that it, that uh, we have been given, but uh, but another piece of the equipment that may be very subtle, but in many regards is at the very beginning of uh, of our reading today, and uh, that is if we would have had time or would have uh, broken this up a little bit differently as far as our expositions are concerned, then we would have included verse 18 in the previous uh, passage and at least uh, verses 18 and maybe even 18 through 20 because as in uh, any army or any sort of uh, military campaign, even though we're not military necessarily, but uh, Paul is definitely using that uh, that picture, that image uh, of the uh, battle that we are waging in unseen realms with unseen enemies. And, uh, and uh, so with that in mind, um, uh, a, a part of of, uh, of, of a successful campaign, you might say, uh, from a military standpoint, isn't just 
the, the, the right soldiers or the right kind of personnel, but also it has to do with the equipment that that personnel ha- has been given in order to do a good job at what they do. And, uh, but, uh, but part of that equipment is also uh, uh, is communication. That means uh, the army can be, uh, can be comprised of the, of the best soldiers, you might say, and the best equipment, you might say. Uh, and yet, if they fail in their communication with each other or to headquarters, then uh, the whole campaign falls apart and uh, you might actually lose. And so with that in mind, uh, in some ways, I kind of broke some of my own rules uh, by the fact that uh, I, um, I stopped... Uh, my last exposition and my in uh, the last uh, episode at verse 17 and did not continue on into verse 18 but uh, there is so much to unpack i I felt the need that uh, we needed to uh, uh, break this up and and start with verse 18 for this particular episode. But just keep that in mind. As you do your own reading, as you do your own examination of this passage, this idea of prayer, this idea of communication with headquarters, by the way, every soldier can communicate with headquarters. And uh, that's kind of cool. We can we can go directly to our master general and uh, get uh, get instructions from him. Uh, directly and uh, without a whole lot of uh, uh, intermediaries, you might say, even though sometimes uh, he may communicate with us through uh, several intermediaries, that is uh, not in the sense of uh, mediating uh, our salvation. Now, only there's only one that does that. But in terms of of uh, the direction of uh, uh, of our lives, or the direction of of our purposes, or or any number of things in which we serve uh, the body of Christ, the local congregation in which we serve the gospel, a lot of those things may come from uh, other directions, which as well may be the guidance from the Lord, from those uh, elders in our congregation, or or uh, someone else who is direct us in the work of the Lord. And so uh, it is important to stay in communication with headquarters and stay in communication with each other. But in, in terms of uh, the mass communication, it has to do with prayer. And uh, so that's where we uh, begin in verse 18, with all prayer and petition. Now, this prayer uh, in verse 18 talks about its scope and verses 19 through 20 talks about its object, who we are specifically to pray for in this paragraph and in this uh, thing, uh, in this situation. At least uh, the readers of this book were to pray this way, and we'll get to that in a moment. But look at, look at the, the scope in which uh, Paul writes about the, uh, our prayers. That means all kinds of prayers, all times of praying, uh, all perseverance of praying, uh, even through difficult things, and all the saints. We are to pray for all of them. And uh, that's what he says there in verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And uh, now this, this means uh, according to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Pray at, pray at the same time for us as well. So there's a parallel uh, kind of idea that Paul is requesting prayer and that he is he is urging prayer uh, and to be devoted to prayer. And um, that's what he says here, to pray with and petition Uh, pray at all times in the spirit. Now, just in case that might throw some people, uh, because uh, 
Uh, some people believe that uh, the only way to pray in the Spirit is by praying in unknown languages, and yet uh, uh, we find uh, multiple examples in all sorts of scriptures, including this one, in where praying in the Spirit doesn't necessarily imply that you're also praying in unknown languages. Um It says in Jude uh, verse 20, but you, beloved, uh, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. In other words, that is the source of our prayers. He guides our prayers. In fact, he himself is is an initiator of prayers, an initiator of the proper um, relationship with God. Uh, and he initiates the, that right relationship so, we, so that we can communicate with the right kind of attitude. And according to Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, it says, uh, for you have not received a spirit of slavery re, uh, leading to fear again. So w- w- we, uh, we don't have to express ourselves with fear toward God. Now we respect him, we respect him with a certain kind of awe and a certain kind of uh, of uh, uh, real submission and uh, understanding that he is God and we are not. Uh, but uh, but in terms of being afraid of him, it goes on. It says, "But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father." The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. We are His family, and so therefore we should not, uh, even though we we respect Him with this awesome um, respect, yet we we call upon Him as our Father, and uh, that's the relationship. The Holy Spirit Himself He is able to do that, and besides that, the Spirit of God is able to pray for us. Sometimes interceding when we don't know how to pray. And that's the part of, again, the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what praying in the Spirit means. We depend upon Him to attach our words to the right attitude and to the family, to the family head, and that is God the Father. And and it says in Romans chapter 8, again, verses 26 through 27, in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. Uh, For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches, and he who searches the hearts uh, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit of God prays according to the will of God. So he knows sometimes what to say when we don't know what to say. And we depend upon the Holy Spirit to do his work, to do his work of establishing the fact that we are his children and that we are cognizant of that relationship and that he himself communicates when we don't quite know how to put our words together. If you've ever been overwhelmed with emotion, overwhelmed with not knowing exactly how to put your thoughts together or or overwhelmed with not knowing exactly how to put your words together uh, to make complete sentences, even in talking to God, because uh, the circumstances are so um, uh, so uh, traumatic or dramatic or uh, both, and uh, and yet we depend upon the Holy Spirit. That's what praying in the Spirit is. Uh, we've already talked about the sword of the Spirit. Now we are praying in the Spirit with all with this in view. So there's a certain uh, perspective that we are to take. Uh, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all 
the saints. So we are to carry on our prayers with a certain kind of alertness. And uh, that may mean uh, breaking up our prayers. It may mean uh, uh, praying for people we care about the most. And then and then making relationships with people we should care about. Um, as, as I've uh, uh, done a study on the prayers of Paul, as well as the prayer requests of Paul, we're going to get into that later on. I've, I've come to the conclusion that the best way to improve your prayer life is to uh, improve your care life. Uh, that is, your care about the people of God, your, the, the way you value the saints of God, the believers, your fellow believers, your fellow believers in the same church, your fellow believers down the street in the other church. Uh, when you develop relationship with them and you care about them and their lives, uh, then you will have a certain passion about taking them before the God and talking to God about them and uh, and uh, presenting them to the Lord and interceding for them and with them. Uh, and, and that's exactly what he's talking about. Being alert. We should know what they're going through. We should know what their hurts are, what their challenges are, so that we can voice those to the Lord as well as those for ourselves. Pray petition for all saints. And then Paul uh, makes his own prayer request, and uh, we'll get to that right after this short break. Welcome back, and we are going to pursue Paul's prayer request for himself uh, to the Ephesian believers, where he says this, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. This is an intriguing prayer request uh, by Paul, the apostle, the church planter, the evangelist, uh, the uh, uh, the apostle of many churches, and um, and yet this is what he he requests prayer for. Um, he prays that utterance. Um, you see, he, he had been given because of his situation and because of his calling and because of, of uh, the direction that uh, God took him in uh, and the circumstances that God put him in. Uh, then uh, like, uh, uh, for instance, Acts chapter 26, verse 1, Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So uh, this was an op- was one of those opportunities, you might say, where he was invited to speak and uh, to defend himself in a court of law, you might say. And yet, 
Uh, Paul needed prayer requests about that. Even though he was an evangelist, even though he was called as an evangelist, he was called as an apostle, and by being an apostle, he planted churches. By by planting churches, he was he was authority over those churches and uh, oversaw much of what went on. And he wrote letters to those churches and to direct them. And he had all this authority and all this knowledge and all this this skill, you might say, that uh, that many people would have readily recognized uh, that he did not uh, and was not uh, poor in his ability to speak publicly publicly for the name of Christ. And uh, yet, this is this is his prayer request. Uh, in other words, you wouldn't look at Paul and examine his ministry and examine his life and and walk around with him for a, for a day or two uh, without noticing this guy knows how to speak about Jesus and uh, and yet that's what he asked prayer for that he he would have the words to say at any opportunity he has been given and that's what he requests prayer for so that's an important thing now just just uh. Uh, for the sake of Bible study, you might say, or for the sake of of uh, uh, hermeneutics, that is the uh, science of studying Scripture, uh, we understand, of course, that since Paul is making this prayer request about himself, uh, we can't pray for Paul. Uh, that that isn't our obligation. It's not our responsibility. Even though all of Scripture is inspired by God, it is not all necessarily directed to us specifically to apply directly from the words on the page. And even though God has inspired the words on this page, uh, we don't pray for Paul, but instead we pray for those perhaps who are in the similar position as Paul. And uh, that means church planters and missionaries and and evangelists and, and others that are doing some of the same kinds of work that Paul did, then we are to pray for them. Those people that we think have the gift of preaching or teaching or evangelism or or talking to others we may think that is their gift we may think that that excels in their life and that may be true but we need to pray for their exercise of that gift and exercise of that strength of their character or their personality or their uh, their skill and uh, we pray for those very things they may be strong in at least as far as our measurement is concerned they excel beyond our our abilities, and yet we should pray for them so that they can conduct things according to the power of God and not their own power or their own strength. So, so even though we don't directly pray for Paul because he doesn't need prayer anymore, but we do pray for those uh, with the same kinds of prayer as what uh, he would he might have needed, and we pray for those who also. Uh, live with the same kinds of needs, and uh, we pray for them the same kind of way to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. That's what Paul preached. He preached the gospel, and the gospel is a mystery. It itself is a mystery. Why? Because uh, because uh, uh, the fact that that a uh, the son of a Jewish carpenter m- was misunderstood by the Jewish authorities, misunderstood by the Roman authorities. The fact that he found himself outside of the city of Jerusalem being executed by the Roman authorities on the most cruel uh, form of capital punishment that perhaps uh, has been invented 
by uh, by anybody, and and there he experienced that death. Uh, that somehow that means something to me spiritually. That means something to us uh, uh, today. That that this obscure. A uh, prophet uh, who was misunderstood, hung on a cross, and somehow that means my sin is taken away, that my sin is paid for, that I can have eternal life. My destiny can be changed by that one incident. Uh, and yet that's a mystery. That's what Paul has been called to preach. That's what we have been called to believe. That's what we have been called to preach ourselves. This mystery, this unseen realm of God's work through Jesus of Nazareth, when he hung on the cross, he was God's own son, the Messiah of Israel, being misunderstood, being executed with human hands, and yet at the same time taking upon himself the wrath of God, the punishment for our sin as our substitute, as the Lamb of God himself. So that is a mystery, but it is still true. And uh, Oh, how in the world that uh, that even works, uh, I don't know. It's a mystery, and yet it does work, and it is exactly what we've been called to preach, and that's, that's why Paul is requesting prayer for the preaching of that mystery, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Uh, he, he, was, he was an ambassador. That means he's a representative of the king. He's a representative of the Messiah, and uh, whom he believes to be the Messiah, and, uh, and yet... Uh, he is now in chains. He's behind bars. He is. He's locked up. He's been sentenced, uh, not completely yet, but uh, he uh, he is facing um, uh, charges against him because of his proclamation. And yet he's an ambassador. What's what's uh, what's up with that? With with uh, with uh, uh, immunity of of ambassadors in other countries and uh, emissaries in other countries, and uh, and yet. That's exactly uh, uh, what Paul is experiencing. He has no diplomatic immunity here on this earth, and uh, uh, people can do what they want to with him, and uh, that's what he's experiencing. And so for which I am an ambassador in chains, uh, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So this is his prayer request. Uh, where is he going to speak? He's going to speak right there in his rented quarters in Rome, in his rented room, in his apartment where he's under lock and key and a soldier is standing beside him the whole time, a Roman soldier guarding over him. And, uh, and yet that is Paul's prayer request. In fact, that's uh, where he found fruit in that uh, prayer request as well. Uh, it, it might uh, be a good Bible study sometime to go through the various requests of Paul. We find in Rome, uh, that is in his letter to Rome, the church at Rome, he want, he he prays a prayer request that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. That's uh, in Romans chapter 15, verses 30 through 32. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses uh, 10 and 11, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf. So he wants thanksgiving to be uttered to God by the saints on his behalf. In Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, we, we are now studying those prayer requests about utterance, about speaking boldly, about proclaiming the, the uh, mystery of the gospel. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, 
that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Paul is constantly requesting prayer about how he speaks. He wants prayer about how he puts his words together, how he puts his thoughts together in front of an audience. Uh, That is an amazing prayer request. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, he just request prayer, but he gives no content or suggestions about what should be included in prayer. In 2 Thessalonians, though, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he prays again that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. So Paul prayers, prays, or requests prayer, that is, uh, for himself, so that the word of God would spread rapidly and that he could be rescued from these evil, wicked men that are constantly finding fault with him and constantly finding ways to persecute him. In First um, uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we find Paul praying as well as requesting prayer requests. And uh, specifically, he says, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet Life. That's one of his prayer requests, is to pray for our governing authorities in such a fashion so that we can live out our lives with quietness and safety and uh, a tranquil lifestyle. Uh, in Philemon, verse 22, uh, Paul requests prayer of Philemon so that I may be given to you. He wants to return to that place in Colossae and visit Philemon once again. And again, if you if you consider Hebrews as one of the books that Paul wrote, there's an interesting prayer request there. If he didn't write it, then then uh, then uh, this doesn't apply. But if he did, then uh, here's a prayer request: desiring to conduct to conduct ourselves honorably in all things, so that I may be restored to you sooner. So if this is not Paul writing the book of Hebrews, it sure sounds very familiar uh, that uh, he wants to conduct himself honorably and he wants to get back to the very believers he's writing to. And so these are Paul's prayer requests. And so it shows you what he feels are the most important things for people to pray for him. So therefore, that gives us a clue of how to pray for ambassadors in Christ, for how to pray for evangelists and church planters and and missionaries and others who are in charge of of God's work in in a variety of places. Then he mentions Tychicus because Tychicus Tychicus is a fellow that he trusts. He he trusts him to to tell Paul's own uh, difficulties and situation and communicate to that congregation accurately. So this is still about communication, you see, Uh, because look at verse 21, uh, that you may also know about my circumstances, how I am doing, Tychicus the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know about us that he may comfort your hearts. So Paul understood communication, the value of accurate communication. And he chose Tychicus to do this, not only to deliver this letter to the Ephesians as a courier, but also to deliver the story about Paul and the situation about Paul, the circumstances that Paul is in. He wanted that to be relayed to the Ephesian believers in an accurate way, and he trusted this fellow to do a good job. Then he closes the same way that uh, 
that he closes a lot of books with peace to the brethren and love with faith, he says in verse 23, and and then also not just peace, but also grace uh, will be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. You see, Paul understood that we needed the peace of God in order to operate properly. We needed the peace of God in order to establish our relationships with each other. We need the peace of God in order to communicate accurately to each other. Because if we don't have peace, then we are sowing seeds of discord and disunity. He also says that grace be with you all. Why? Because we need that grace. We're not working to earn our salvation. We have received the gift of God. It is the gift of God that gives us power. It is the gift of God that gives us understanding. It is the gift of God that causes us to be strong and faithful and and skillful in the way we carry out God's work on earth and uh, with an incorruptible love. That means that uh, that's the kind of love we display toward one another, one that isn't corrupted, one that isn't isn't uh, impure, one that isn't guided by false motives or wrong kinds of agendas. We are motivated by true value in each other, and that is the cause of our prayer for each other as well. Thank you, Father, for these moments. Thank you, Father, for these words that give us instruction and guidance in the way we conduct our lives. We thank you, Father, that we can talk to you with clear communication about what we are going through and what others around us that we care for, what they are going through, and we present them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.